welcome to more to come pw comic world's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics comics publishing recorded wonderfully enough back at the pw offices in new york city i'm calvin reed senior news editor publishers weekly editor of pw comics world and editor of the fanatic pw's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, the website of comics culture. And you can check out PW Comics World on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And... We're on social media at, well, well, uh, theoretically, we're on social media at facebook.com slash pwcomics. We're all on Facebook, but Facebook has locked me out of my own account. Well, they locked me out of my account. And account, so I guess it's just a thing that is, is there a, a Facebook liberator out there? How do I get them to let me in my own account? Uh, so, and uh, I second that. If anyone is out there who knows Help. Uh, Facebook or Meta or whatever the f- the heck. Freak it's hell. <laughs> uh, Cal- well, Calvin and All I right. are in desperate need of help. Yes. And we're we, will, we will send a bottle. you a care package yes. of books. Yes, there's yes. a reward in it for anyway, you. Anyway, we have to move on. Uh, but email, yes. email us. I'm serious. Yes. Email us. Uh, yeah, definitely. See, read at publishersweekly.com. Why and they are holding my, our Facebook uh account hostage. I'm Heidi at ComicSpeed.com. Okay, anyway, enough of that. Okay, um, uh, oh, yeah, did, did, oh, uh, you, can, you, know, you listen, can say stuff well, to us other also, than... <laughs> well, so while you are uh, uh, writing to us about your Facebook connections, you can yes. also leave a rating for us on iTunes yes, or on we... Stitcher or on any uh, platform. You can write us a letter telling us how much you like uh, this podcast, give us suggestions, tell us to go to heck. Um, we just love feedback. Yeah. We just love knowing yes. that people are listening. Anyway, and also, you know... Um, Zuckerberg's email, if you haven't. Anyway. Yeah, yeah and uh, we we are not one of those people who, unlike another podcast that shall remain nameless. Oh, snap. Yes. Does not uh, ask for feedback repeatedly and then online uh, in the next episode eviscerate said feedback. Um, oh. I mean, okay, are we starting a beef here? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying we don't do that. Okay, like, good. We will not start a beef with you if you give us feedback we don't like. Don't worry about it. We won't come for you. That's right, what I'm saying. Unless it's really not very, stupid. Then we might yeah, come for you. And we're not very intimidating <laughs> anyway. We still won't, no, we won't because we can't you. be bothered. Yeah. All right. Let, let, on to the show. On All to right. the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This week on More to Come, supply chain headaches increase. All right. We're going to have an update on the PRH Marvel distribution um, brouhaha. All right, Fandom, DC Fandom is back, um, uh, returns, and a Baltimore Comic-Con report. And also we're going to take a quick look at PW's Best Books of 2021, just out, uh, chosen uh, by PW Graphic Novels Reviews Editor Meg Lemke. You know, it was, you know, some me whispering in her ear also. All right. So, um, we may have some input on that. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, supply chain headaches. Uh, we've been talking about this since 2020 and we're going to be talking about it in 2022. Yeah. This is really the big story. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes over the next, uh, 
you know, until the spring, at least. Um, there's a really great article on Vox. There was just a big article in the New mm-hmm. York Times that are explaining the great book shortage of 2021. And it's every step of the supply chain is either backed up or uh, not, a, you know, there's a terrible labor shortage. There's not enough yep. births at the docks. There's, a, you know, there's only, I didn't even realize this, there's only three major printers in yeah, all of America. No, a, yeah, and no. then there's Transcontinental in mm-hmm. Canada. And they're all... yeah. And well, and even the small ones, like there are any number of small printers that have, you know, small printing facilities or machines and, you know, even the indie printers are pretty overwhelmed. And that's, and, and really, and the problem is that they're just, um, they, they're just overwhelmed by demand. And I mean, it could be worse. There could be no demand. Yeah. But there's definitely, there's definitely some pains getting back up to speed. The pandemic has done what other actually crises have done in the back in the past with pop culture material, books, comics, movies, and the like. It's just generated a huge demand from people, if not completely stuck at home anymore, still you know have settled into their habits well, of consumption over the last year and a half. Well, our friend Kristen McLean of uh, NPD Bookscan was quoted in this Vox article, and uh, according to uh, printed book sales have increased thirteen point two percent. From 2020 to 2021 and 21% from 2019 to 2021. So book sales are up one fifth yeah. from the pan to the before times. Well, so- I mean, what I will say is I have, and this is completely, um, just anecdotal, but I have seen a number of posts online and extremely online places of People in their 20s and 30s being like, I have just discovered the joy of like actually reading like a mm-hmm. book. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know it could be that fun. So I mean, I, I think people in their boredom turned to all the hobbies they oh, had never yeah. tried and some of them realized that books are cool. And to them I say, welcome. <laughs> and also, we're going to need a bigger boat. I mean, we're going to need more paper. Yeah. Well, according to one very well informed person that I talked to, uh, I said at Balt- I was just at Baltimore Comic Con, which I'll get back to. I talked to a lot of people about it there, but uh, as my friend said, there is no paper, uh, and <laughs> yes, so that's very technical uh, response. Very technical, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, a little hard to understand. <laughs> we'll have to get someone to break that down but, for us. Uh, and you know, one of the problems is that um, people, uh, you know, again, I, this Vox article is really, really good because it explains that a lot of this goes back to. Uh, those times when they thought digital books were going to take over from print books entirely. And so, uh, they shut down all these printers. That was back in 2008. Uh-huh. Uh, Good luck with that, man. I'm just going to read this. The cause dates back more than a decade. In 2008, presses faced what appeared to be an existential crisis. The Great Recession on the one hand, the advent of the Amazon Kindle. On the other, many in the industry predicted that printed books would soon be obsolete and companies began to de-invest in printing books. Um, well, so, that, and that's true. That, mm-hmm, that's, yeah. It exactly did happen. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's not just that. It's also the fact, and it's not just demand as well. It's also the fact that during the pandemic, not only was there a lot of an increase in buying, but there was a decrease in printing. Yes. So, you know, people's back stock sold out. And there's not enough new stock to fill. Yeah. So 
Here we transition to how this can actually help you listeners before mm. we get to everything else. And that is, now is the time to sell those used yeah. books and comics that have been taking up space that you're tired Everybody of. Everybody told me this, like sell your comics, sell, sell your if, comics. If it's stuff you want to sell, now is the time to sell yeah. it. Let's put it that yeah. way. If you want to keep it, like keep it because it may never be reprinted. Yeah. But if you don't want to keep it, maybe you want some Christmas money. Or maybe, given the price of paper books, <laughs> you might need to sell it to buy more. I mean, I can't remember whether I told you guys this or, but, um, uh, you know, they, I went to the pet store and they were running low on kitty litter. So, you know, it's pretty serious. Cause normally, if, say, say I ran out of kitty litter and I couldn't get any, you know what I'd use? I'd use a newspaper and I can't do that. <laughs> well, so, not, not you know, anymore. it's like yeah. this, it's a chain. That's why it's called the supply <laughs> chain. It's like one domino falls and another cat is uh, peeing on the bed. So, um, but you know, uh, just um, the biggest thing that happened to the, uh, the most recent kind of domino falling was shredded that- paper shopping bags work well. Yeah, but you know, those cost five cents a piece. So it's not like, well, I used to just go to the village voice or, you know, kiosk and take all the, yeah, we took the, <laughs> well, you know, the epoch Times still manages to print. That's, so. that's true. But for how long? Yeah. Um, well, but I mean, in the meanwhile, you can have your cats pee on conspiracy theories. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I was going to say the big news was that image comics yeah. announced that they would no longer be doing second printings of their periodicals. Now, yeah. for the foreseeable future. For the foreseeable future. Now, that you know, they tried to not do this once before, but uh there's many many uh ripple effects of this, but um how retailers normally order their books is there's a final order cutoff and date they which has also been the window on that has been extended. It used to be like three weeks, now it's five weeks. Retailers are really mad about that. In some cases, five weeks. Um, but you know, this is the image. Calvin, I don't know if you're on their PR list. You must be, but I mean, not a day goes by that you don't get an email from Cat Salazar oh, saying yeah. something's gone back to press. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, uh, some the James T- yeah, Tynion or something books. new is coming out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean. Listeners, from the point of view of someone like you, or even to the degree me as someone who doesn't usually read press releases, um, this translates just into when you want a popular book, you can usually get your hands on it. Yeah. Even if it came out 10 years ago. And that's just not the case right now. Hey, I just realized there's one way that this could possibly go well. <laughs> you know the thing about Alan Moore's uh, contract with Watchmen? Yeah. You know how he, he gets the rights back if it That's ever right. goes out of print? That's right. That's right. Uh, hey guys, maybe now's the time to buy all the, buy that Watchmen copy you were planning well, to buy. I am looking at my email, my inbox here, and I'm just gonna read a few email headlines. Department of Truth number one sells out debut issue rush to sixth and final printing. Um, Get this book, Stray Dogs, by the mm. way, I don't know if you've heard of this. This book is mm. super hot. I, I didn't even know. No. It, image 2, sick final reprints of all five Stray Dogs books on fans. Uh, Radiant Black kicks off new story arc. Sells out completely. Uh, rushed back to print. Key or issue. Ordinary Gods. Rushed back to print. Yeah. Paprika. Rushed back to print. All right. That's well. a thing of the past. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, and obviously in the trade book world, I mean, people are moving books back. I mean, even the big publishers, um, you know, I had at least three publishers ask me to hold up stories because, uh, and I've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, for the same reason. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the same article or, or I think it was your, uh, an article in the beat, 
this really said this is going to work itself out, but it's not going to take a while. But it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, you know, I talk to people, and you know, uh, the the, after they give this pretty grim picture, because one of the biggest problems is the labor shortage, and that is not solvable uh, by current means. Um, but then they said, but you know, it's not, the infrastructure exists. It isn't that all, you know, God forbid, all the printing press burned down or the, you know, the shipping containers, um, blew up. But the pro, so, so the infrastructure is there. So once this bottleneck goes yeah, away, hopefully, but, but you, but Calvin, I don't know what your, you know, your sources are telling you, but it really, you know, inflation is coming and prices are going to go up. I mean, the cover That's price of periodicals is probably going to go up quite mm-hmm. a bit. Well, yeah. especially the cover price of, quite frankly, paper periodicals. Yes. I guess we're going to have to see. I mean, you know, the, the, the book world, the, the, the book world is so weirded out because, you know, they, well, the comics do it too, but print books have prices printed on them. And um, there's a whole lot of conniptions about price changing. So mm-hmm. we will see... Well, you know, there's there's room for increase because in Britain, the average price of a paperback is much higher than here. Uh, uh, that's right. true. But they also make you get a license to watch TV. So. That's true. Well, but what, what I meant of, is that if... There's if, some sort if, of tax also. I don't quite understand the European system completely. But, but in any event, European tax or no European tax, what I just meant is that even in today's economy... Even with the books that are being published now, there's already a working model showing in a country with an equivalent uh, economy to our own as far as the average income that they can definitely charge you more for a book. So they probably will. Yeah, I mean, they they, they are. And I, I mean, I think this is just part of the global inflationary cycle that we're going through you know nothing's let's see nothing's going back to the way it was we're just moving into a whole new world um and um you know this well, is going to be of, part of it yeah and part of the reason prices are going to go up because this backlog makes everything cost more that's correct <laughs> so the, the general uh move is to pass you know, pass uh, cost increases on to customers. And, I, I, and we'll you know, see how much they can and do. And one of the biggest costs is, um, you know, paper pulp is up. That's huge. Just the price of paper is going up because it's in. There's a, a shortage of it, so they're raising the prices. Mm-hmm. The other is containers, like because there's a mm-hmm. glut of container storage. Uh, the cost of storing those has yep, gone up. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so it's every single well, step. To of be the way. fair, every single step of the way. As someone who lives in the New York area and drives to Pennsylvania regularly, or well, rather is in a bus that's driving to Pennsylvania, there is an enormous former train yard absolutely chock full <laughs> of empty shipping containers. So I'm pretty sure that there are other ones around the world at other major ports that are probably going to be pressed into service. Yeah. Which is Brenda, probably Brenda, for is the a, better. Yeah. Brenda, there is a shortage of them. Yeah. Anyway. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, that, that they have to store them and there's not yeah. enough truck drivers because the Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. On down the sideline, yeah. the same, the same issues. And, and it's obviously, this isn't just happening in the comic book printing world or the book right. publishing right. printing no, world. It's true. happening across almost every uh, part of American industry that you can think of. Uh, and it's interesting with this 24 hour, you know, uh, port in, in what LA, I think. But, you know, the problem is they need 24-hour warehouses. They need 24-hour trains, bus. I mean, 
this is the problem. It's up and down the supply so chain. COVID, so, I mean, have you talked? To have you talked to any comics publishers about this? I have not. No, I have not. Uh, you know, I mean, well, that's not true. I mean, I've talked to them about the delays that mm-hmm. they're facing, and we all know what these delays are because, like I said, this has been happening since March of 2020. Right. So it's in some ways, yes, it's getting worse, but it's also been a steady story since then, all yeah, the way but, through. But I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, what is the effect of it all down the, the road? Thing has been the, now, nobody's talking to me about prices because they're not supposed to be talking about prices. Um, but, you know, what they talk to me about are, are delays. Well, not and, just delays, but shortages. Yeah, well, I'm talking to people about, I'm not necessarily talking to, you know, they're, to, they're not necessarily talking to me about their other side. They're really talking to me about, the printing side, how they're not getting books in. They're talking about shipping, how it's taking longer to get things in. And, and that's what their focus has been on me, usually because they're talking to me about interviews or reviews or that yeah. part of the business. And uh, the scheduling has called whacked out because they've made a schedule and they've had to throw it out the window because mm-hmm. everything is months late. I mean, but is there any sense that this is going to endanger publishers or endanger retailers? Well, I mean, no. I mean, the public business isn't going anywhere, but we're entering a period where it's really troubling. It's going to affect prices. It's going to affect everybody. You know who it's uh, going to really affect? And, and it's going to affect fans. Yeah. It's going to affect brick-and-mortar bookstores. Yeah. Because yeah. I was in a Barnes & Noble um, last week in Pennsylvania, one that I used to work in <laughs> years ago, and... I've never seen so many front-facing books in all my life. And to those of you who have not worked in bookstores, oh, when you see all yeah. those little pretty covers facing you so you can see yeah, them instead of the true. spine, that doesn't just mean that, oh, we want you to look at this book so that you buy it. It also means we don't have enough books to fill the shelf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when a bookshelf is fifth, at least 50% front-facing... I've never, I've never seen that in Barnes and Noble in my life. I think, you know, the other, um, the other thing about this is, uh, just, you know, for the paper shortage. I mean, part of this is just that consumers during the pandemic have been buying shit like crazy. I'm sorry, buying stuff like crazy. <laughs> Woohoo. Yeah. Uh, and I, I said this is anecdotal, but every day I look in my hall and it's full of boxes from Amazon. So a lot yeah. of that paper pulp is going to boxes from Amazon. Yeah. So, yeah. Because people, it's not even just that people aren't buying things. It's that people <laughs> and people are buying things. It's that people are buying things online that need boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they would have bought that anyway, but boxes man yeah well speaking Speaking of of boxes (laughs) (laughs) sure what what do you what do you mean by that Uh, well calvin um uh, well we were we talked here uh i think in our last episode just about the disastrous rollout of the penguin random house switch for over to marvel and uh just retailers uh, all the retailers there's just an outcry about how poorly the periodicals were packed and, um, you know, damages aplenty. Like they, they somehow thought that a small flimsy box would be enough to package a pile of periodicals. And Diamond never thought of this. I wonder why. Well, I mean, everybody's <laughs> learned. I guess you learn from doing because, um, uh, you know, the boxes were so small. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that the boxes weren't properly made. It's just that they were so small that they got thrown around and everything arrived damaged. And But I'm hearing... And they packed them differently, they, too. They, yeah. They, they, they but I mean, I'm hearing that <clears throat> things have improved a lot, Calvin. What are I mean, you that's hearing? what I'm hearing, too. I mean, I've talked to uh, a retailer, and I, and I have some other sources. And, you know, basically, the, the scenario is what 
um, we had talked about earlier. No, you're going to have to re-say that. We've did got, you just get we've got your, a motorcycle. Your flu shot? Yes, I did. I did no, too. no, I got it was something else. Oh, I got a flu shot. I got my flu I, shot. I got the flu shot. I, I, yeah. I had my physical today, oh, so yeah, yeah. it was a blood test. Oh. Okay, we're going to let um, that motorcycle do its thing for a minute because it's very loud. And, um, I mean, I think what I've been hearing uh, from retailers and other people around the, the industry is, uh, and, I, and we talked about this on the uh, on the show, is that, I mean, uh, PRH, I mean, for those of you who don't know, this is about the, the unique PRH marble distribution floppies in the direct market. Um, big change. Uh, and uh, that they're, they're really focused on this business. They talked with retailers before. October was the launch month of them, you know, really delivering goods in uh, the direct market. Uh, they had talked about this issue uh, and supposedly had designed boxes and, and procedures that would take care of it. They were wrong. Uh-huh. And uh, um, the uh, I did talk with one re- retailer on the West Coast who basically said what we've been seeing and reading, which you heard, that his first shipments were a, really a disaster. I yeah. mean, really, everything was pretty much ruined. And I mean, I've heard it was talking about the paper shortage, uh, that, you know, people got their, um, damages, the refunds, you know, they got credit for the damages, mm-hmm. but they haven't gotten replacement copies for a long time. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, interesting this is, too. This is not the time to be yeah. having this particular problem. Now, I also heard that the, um, uh, shipments immediately after that were vastly improved. Yeah. I heard uh, the same thing. Um, and people are happier. Uh, there is some discussion uh, that, uh, I've heard that they have, you know, that, you know, Random House was, they're here, they're here to stay. They're trying to fix the problem. Uh, so that's what I've been hearing back. Uh, the issues are around the boxes, how they were packed. I hear there's more bubble wrap involved now. Well, apparently they took these, these small boxes and then put them inside a larger box mm-hmm. and then wrapped the smaller box in bubble wrap. And retailers found this, um, pleasing. Yeah, they found and um, you know there, there's there's a sense that PRH is responding and you know stepping it up. Yeah. So um, well, but Calvin, I guess my biggest question is, um, I mean, we saw them keep saying they knew that damages were an issue. And, yeah, it's, and it's they set up you know focus groups or not focus groups, but you know they had retailer. Um, Consultants and every retailer told them, "Don't let the comics get hurt. Don't yeah. let the comics yep, get hurt." Yep, yep, yep. So it wasn't like, like so. How, how do you think? Why? Yeah, do you I mean, think- I have no idea. That this is this is something you know, a giant octopus-like corporations can get it wrong. Uh, my sense out there is that you know, when you get it wrong, you try to get it right. Mm. Um, but you know, you know, it, it's hard to imagine. Uh, because of the work that we heard, and by all and by all accounts, I hear that that really went on. I mean, the, the PRH reached out to try to get to to make sure that they understood the needs of these, but they got it wrong. They did. They well, did. I mean, they understood that the need was don't mess up the book. Yeah. They just got how to get yeah. there completely yeah. 100. Well, oh. I mean, I've heard. A, a, I, I mean, you know, the cover up is always the big story, and uh, I'm not saying there's you know malfeasance here at all. I honestly just think it was um, incompetence. They they, they, yeah, they just didn't know what they were doing. But um, I, I guess one of the theories I've heard. Is um, just you know, PRH is the probably the world's biggest book well book distributor, right? Yeah, it's one of the world's biggest book one distributors. Of the, one of the one of you them. know, I'm the, not the sure. distinguished Ingram distribution and, from wholesale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Ingram. though they're related, 
But, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and maybe they, I don't know, maybe they listened and nodded and then they said, we're going to do it our way. Um, yeah, so. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah, I, that, I can't answer that, but, um, I don't think they intended to like no, disturb no, no, and no, disrupt no, no. I, and no. frustrate their customers. Absolutely. I think they not. made a mistake and then they realized it and then they corrected it or, or, or they are currently working to correct it. I mean, I don't think it's that unusual for com- even a big company entering a new section to get some things wrong, even even when AT&T. they're extremely, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I just think they got it wrong. They thought they had it right and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't work out, and so, but that you know, hopefully that's never the end of the story. And they step, you know, and they're they're, they're clearly trying to fix it. So we will revisit this issue. Yes. You know, yes. in the future because you know it's ongoing. Yeah. Uh, we still want to see. Uh, where you know where PRH can go in this right, particular right. business, right? And, and I will say, out of all the crises that we've had over the last period of distribution and everything, this one seems to be clearing up pretty quickly. I, I, that's the sense I get out there yeah. too. Yeah, I think that, it will just know, be an oddity of uh, history when yeah. they yeah. when they yeah. write about it. That uh, you know, ha so, ha! Do you remember that big well, smashed up box they got? <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. But this hey, they got it right little, after like, that. Yeah. The retailer war stories. Ah, do you remember the early days? Yes, yes. The great damage, you know, yeah, shipments of, you know, of 2021. Sep- yes, that's September. I <laughs> yeah. remember, I remember yeah. the but day the, in September but or the October. the bounce back was even better. Then the, yes. All right. Uh, well, All speaking right. of AT&T, uh, they had a hit last year with the DC fandom mm. and it was such a hit that they decided to do it again. Did you guys watch it at all? Kate, were you into no. it? Oh. I did not watch it on the nights because I think it's a mix of live and and recorded. It was all recorded. It was all recorded. But, yeah. Well, I I I rummage through uh the archive material and you know what? It's a lot of stuff yes. there and yes. you know and some of it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um so yes, I actually did uh, look through it. I even honestly I even like the little they have a big intro film at the beginning. Uh, you know, where uh, the rock is there and they're hyping Black Adam like nobody's business. Um, and there's a lot of big stuff coming up that's actually, you know, fun and interesting and we all want to hear it. See I it. actually had a panel at the same time for Diversity Con, so I did not get a chance to watch all of Fandom. So. Uh-huh. But they kind yeah. of, as I understood it, they did take a little bit of, um, uh, an approach, not quite the way Disney does it, but you know, Disney does, did their investors day online. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, you know, everybody coming out and then shock and awe, you know, of like, here's these 15 Marvel series. We have these 24 stars. So, so I, I understand that it was like kind of one event and they rolled out, you know, here's what we're doing with Black Adam. Here's what we're yeah, doing. Yeah. I, mean, yes. and- I mean, it seems to be a lot of sub, I mean, to me, it was a giant, uh, spectacular pop cultural infomercial. And, you know, because, and that was with high production values, a lot of green screening, you know, multicultural co-hosts, you know, in some like world taken from, you know, the Batman or from, you know, wherever, Aquaman. I mean, and so, so it's a combination of trailers, panels, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, film clips. Uh, and just, you know, uh, uh, hucksterism, but it's kind of, you know, I mean, I, I watched, you know, uh, Ava DuVernay, uh, talk about, you know, adapting, you know, um, DMZ, Brian Woods is, you know, mm-hmm. which I read back in the day. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated about that. Right. Um, <clears throat> um, 
they had their co-hosts, you know, from all around the world. They had Brazil, uh, you know, what Japan, uh, you know. And of course, they showed the Batman trailer. That's really they showed the Batman trailer. Uh, They had Dennis Cohen and Reggie Hudlin on talking about the Milestone Universe and all the stuff that they have coming, including uh, movies that they say are in production, Mm -hmm. a big compendium of the older comics, as well as you know what's happening in the new Milestone uh, Universe. Uh, and this, uh, actually also quite interesting, this, um, DC milestone initiative to do creator development. Mm-hmm, right. That's right. to try to bring a little more diversity to this industry that we love. So that's there. And then of course, you know, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz were talking about Batman and, uh, Catwoman. What did and, you think of the trailer? Um, you know what? I, I, it, look, it was a good trailer. Uh, I'm a, critic of some of the <laughs> the decorative elements of Batman now and it looks like they go even further. I mean, what did you think of it? It looks like I I found it very forgettable. Yeah, I don't I know what the it. Did you what you didn't watch it at all, Kate? I didn't watch it at all. You didn't watch the Batman? Trailer? I didn't watch the Batman trailer because Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I feel like not that I won't watch the movie, just that I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I kind of get what it's you mean. Not I've been trying to be I've been trying to not go there. Yeah, I've been trying not to go there because I'm like, you know what? I'll I'll have enough thoughts about it when it actually comes yes. out. I was like, you know, wait, I'm going to give it a break. I'm just going to wait, like, and then I'm going to see it, see and then the trailer, I'll have thoughts see the movie. once I actually yeah. see it. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I, I was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was. But not a lot of people were excited by it. Good. Yes, good. I was I excited by well. it. Yeah. I was excited yeah. by it. I'm just saying. And, and a lot of people listen. When I say a lot of people, I mean that they had three times the viewership of last year's fandom. Now, uh, yeah, they said they had 66 million global views this year. As a last year, they had 22 million views, which is pretty interesting because as, I, as far as I remember, last year's fandom lasted for 24 hours. Like I think they had like a eight hour thing that they repeated three times or something. It was really elaborate. It was really there's elaborate. A, there's a crazy lot of content. And I'm yeah. just looking at the free archive stuff. I mean, there's stuff that's locked down too. But so also to keep in mind is last year, there were a lot of virtual cons and most of them were not DC fandom and did not turn out as well. So I think DC you raised know, the people, bar. Yeah. yeah, DC raised the bar. People spread the word, and now everybody whose friends told them you got to do fandom this year came out. Hey, they Jason Momoa. I mean, hey, what's not to like? He hey. was on there grinning. I mean, I don't know what I think. I'll think of the ultimate move. This is the sequel, I guess, to Aquaman. Um, but you know what? He looks like he's having a ball. He, he, loves it. Well, he always looks like he's <laughs> he looks fun. like he's having the he best like freaking time. And all I can say, go for it, big fella. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. And so, you know what? When the movie comes out, I'm going to it. So yeah, and I, I so fandom. You know, there was a lot of triumphalism afterwards, just about the sheer number of views. Uh, you know, I got an email with all the like these metrics where the search went up and all this stuff. So you know, they were, um. They were quite excited about it. And, uh, so, um, you know, uh, we'll see what's going to happen. There was a profile of, um, the new guy. What's his name? Um, David Zaslav, the discovery guy. Cause, you know, oh. AT&T will be stepping oh, away yet. quietly That's and discovery right. will be taking over. And, so, uh, how does this actually work? I still can't figure it out. Is it like two amoebas merging and then splitting again, or like what? <laughs> well, it is amoeba-like, but uh, 
you know, Discovery and what's his name? He will be the honcho. Yeah. Yeah. That I knew. So we'll, you know, more to come on that. Uh, but yeah. weren't you, uh, I, I was, uh, well, yes, I went to, I went to Baltimore Comic Con and, um, uh, in person con. I had such a good time at New York Comic Con that I decided to go to another <laughs> Back con. in the saddle and, again. Yeah, you know, this is a very pleasant, uh, show. Um, there's a lot of artists there. A lot of people pulled out, but there was still a good turnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, like, like I said, a lot of people were talking. So, um, but it's also another time of year. It's the time for PW's best books of the year and PW graphic novels reviews editor Meg Limke has put it together. Yeah, with a, you know, a little, you know, whispering in the ear from me. I consult. So Calvin, when we did it, you did more than whisper. So, uh, well, we talk about it. We, we don't do it the same way. Well, we had a yeah, different, we had yeah. a different, uh, we had a different way we, you and I did it. And Meg and I have a different way. Yes. Well, and, and, and also, those were the olden times that's, when you guys were in the same that's office absolutely together. True. And so books were discussed in person. That's yes. right. Over tables. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But we do sit down. I do consult with her about, uh, what she's picking. I offer some of my opinions. Uh, Meg makes all the final decisions, but I do. I talk to her about certain books. I bring things up and then, you know, she makes a decision about what goes in. Uh, and so. Let's talk a little bit about okay. what we got this year for the adult graphic novels, the best, uh, of, of 2021, or put it this way, the, uh, the best six books that they allow us to pick. We got one you more got this six? year. Six? Wow. We got one more book this year. So we get to pick six graphic novels. Oh, usually uh, they like multiples of five. <laughs> uh, usually we do have five, but I forget what happened, but, um, we are able to add out. a book. So among the books for it, and now I spill the family secrets, a really unusual, uh, intensely, uh, penetrating family memoir by Margaret Kimball, published by Harper One. Uh, it's looking to a family and it's a, looks at layers of mental illness, um, suicide. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds bleaker than it is, but it is a very, um, methodical and almost maniacal, uh, dissection of this woman's family life. And it's it's fascinating in its own weird way. Yeah. I, there was a lot of buzz for this book before it came uh, out, and, and it definitely lived up to the And the, the visual side of yeah. it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, also, No One Else, um, and, and the first new novel in a number of graphic novel number by Archie Johnson, coming out from Fantagraphics, uh, really touching um, piece of uh, fiction, uh, kind of set in Hawaii and this, as his family is going through changes after a death. Yeah, and, and intense. That's wonderful, a very intense Be- uh, story. Beautifully mm-hmm. illustrated, a great story. Wonderful characters. Uh, you know, uh, I have he, he does a lot of illustration. Um, so it's good to see him back in the graphic novel business here again. Uh, and of course, uh, the Secret of Superhuman Strength by Alison Bechtel. Um, you know, her latest, uh, really uh, an Another incredible long memoir awaited. about. Uh, yeah. Yes, about you know. Literature, personal improvement, and her life. It's, uh, once again, another classic work. Um, a book that we profile that publishes weekly, A Stone Fruit by Lee Lay. Great, uh, new, uh, well, she, I guess she's not new on the scene, but this book has gotten oh, an awful lot of attention. By far her biggest. Is her biggest yeah, yes, this is her biggest. Absolutely her long. biggest, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, we have an author profile, rave review. Yeah. Um, check it out. Yeah. Also, 
The Waiting, uh, uh, a new nonfiction work by Kum Suk uh, uh, Gentry Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had the amazing book, which I read last year, called Grass, which is about ja- um, Korean comfort woman during World War II. Uh, and this book is really uh, about her family, about it's really a saga of the split between North and South Korea, her family's uh, experience, her uh, it's really the story, I think, of her grandmother. Mm-hmm. I may be getting that wrong. But well, it's an it, you know what? It's book. one of those generational sagas that comics does so well. Oh, it so, really does, yeah. and it's and it's a powerful story. I mean, what they survived and and how they were able to, to come through on the other side. So check it out. And finally, this is a book that I think is really, really one of the really is one of the best books of the year. Uh, really um, enriching historical work. It's Wake: The Hidden History of Women-Led Slave Revolts. By Dr. Rebecca Hall, who's the historian, and the artist is Hugo Martinez. Uh, it's a fascinating look into the history of women-led slave revolts by uh, a historian who's fascinating in her own right. She was a, a, um, a lawyer uh, for tenant rights for seven or eight years, but she was obsessed with what she felt was the, the racism that she encountered in the criminal justice system against her clients. Uh, including bias against her as a black attorney. And she went back to get a doctorate in history. Nice. Obs- uh, because she's obsessed about the system of slavery, what it did to the country, uh, and the role of women in fighting against it. So it's an absolute, it's got, uh, um, inventive, innovative, uh, scholarship. Uh, it looks at her travels to London. To look into the shipping records, it's it's just really so you did a wonderful book. Yeah, I haven't even heard of this book. Who published it? Uh, it's published by Simon and Schuster. Oh, okay. Uh, and I did a um, I ran an excerpt from it in uh, the newsletter, and I actually she did. I was the moderator of a panel that she was on the history panel at the Brooklyn Book Festival. So you can also oh. go to the Brook- Brooklyn Book Festival site where it should be archived. Oh, very good. Uh, and she's a wonderful speaker, great historian, really one of the great books. So those are the six books, um, right? Yeah, there are also two other books that uh, two other graphic novels that the the uh, in kids and YA. I think oh. it's let's talk about um, let's, let's what is it? Let's talk about uh, sex, uh, teen uh, sex by Erica Moore and <laughs> and what, what I forget is the what actual it, title. Calvin? Uh, I think you know what? I don't have it in front of me. I don't have the exact title. So I'm mangling it. Uh, let's talk about it. The team's let's guide to yeah, sex, relationships, and being a human. There you go. Okay. So it's more than talking about sex. Just want to make that clear. Yes. It, yes. It's really. <laughs> it's, it's it's talking about the whole a whole guy to yeah. yes by sex, Erica sexuality, Mullen, who's awesome. gender, the she whole and her husband, the whole package. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's a good you stuff. Know. Yeah, and I think that is another one was uh, Katie the cat sitter. By, uh. Katie the Cat Sitter. Yeah. I want to read that. Colleen Venable and, oh, yeah, um, well. Stephanie Yu. So, uh, so that's it. That, those Interesting are Interesting your- that the book that was, uh, long listed for the, uh, American Book Awards didn't make the list. What, which book was that? Uh, The Legend of Anti-Po, Anti-Po. 
Oh, Auntie that's Pop. right. That's right. That did. Yes, but you right. know, there's so many books. There's that so came. many yes, books. Yes. And, like, and, and that's the other thing. We, yeah. we have a kind of an artificial number of six. I mean, yeah. So tune in much later. The that was uh, a YA book, though. So it wasn't you yeah. guys who who uh, stiffed it. It was uh, the, the kids' but, department. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in about a month or two, the PW graphic novel. Critics, uh, critics ah, poll, the critics poll yes. will be coming out, and we will have a much more extensive list of the best graphic novels of 2020. Right. And furthermore, I mean, to be frank, the fact that we are not recapitulating other people's award lists or best of lists it's, is a very good it's, sign it's for the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's wonderful when there's one or two big books that really are worthy of sweeping the awards, but it's also great when there's just a really wide field of great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I so, 100% agree, actually. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we, we have no the ability to, to cover it in this focused view, but in a, in a broader way too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it was, uh, you know, another incredible banner year for graphic yes. novels. I look forward to that critics poll. Um, yeah, I am too. what's on there, mm-hmm. so. Sorry. Right. So there you go. Yeah. All so right. do we have any briefs this week? We do. We have many briefs. Um, we have some which you guys may even wish to chime in on a little oh. bit as our brief becomes discussion-y. Oh. So. The briefs became lengthened. Well, you may choose to lengthen them. So, Jean Luen Yang, um, cre- a DC character that he created, Monkey Prince, mm. which is the, uh, rebellious son of the mythological Monkey King has been given his very own 12-issue limited series from DC. So instead of being sort of a background character who, you know, showed up for an issue or two for introduction, he will now have his very own book. And it is coming out just in time for Lunar New Year. Great. Um, Celebrated in many Asian countries, including China. And so it's going to be a 12-issue book and it's going to last the entire year and it was that was announced at fandom actually it they was did indeed. have they of course things like batman trailer uh got most of the attention but they did have quite a few comics announcements also um i think they also announced although i did not see the segment i only heard about it that they're you know going to do more webtoons so mm-hmm. um yeah that I, makes I, perfect yeah. sense yeah, I did not see the details on that, so yeah. I, I actually don't know, but I do know that. And I, I, I don't know if we mentioned it here, uh, but, um, you know, Wayne Family Manor is, or Wayne Family Adventures has been optioned for a, uh, you oh. know, a cartoon. So, well, success it, there, it right? It was temporarily auction, temporarily optioned for a web series, mm-hmm. and then that web series got immediately yoinked. So. Oh. I think that it may be a lot of different parties involved in the rights, so I was holding off on announcing anything until I saw whether it got sunk after the first web series. Well, it said that they were going to do a live-action adaptation. Yeah, and then that got pulled. They said they're not going to do it? Yeah. Oh, all right. I didn't see that part. Yes. Well, that came out several days later. Yes. So the, was, the webtoon that you mentioned, that's for three live action series, right? Um, Am I confused? Probably. Yes. I think we're all confused about that. Yeah. Okay, so let's, <laughs> okay. let's rewind. Yeah. Let's rewind. <laughs> so Wayne Family Adventures is yeah. DC's flagship webtoon on webtoon about 
the adventures of Batman and his various Robins and Batgirls and other assorted Bat children. And it was initially announced to have a YouTube series coming out from a studio previously known for fan films. Correct. Oh, I, 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 I go ahead because I have some tea here. Yes. And I mean, it, it wasn't like it was their idea. They were given the rights, but for reasons that DC and Webtoon have not chosen to share. Everyone went, oh, uh, sorry, nothing to see here. Um, that's probably not gonna happen. Bob, just read the story. It says, yeah, is, is Mahawk Studios was the yes. group, and they said, absolutely. Says, then all, so they announced it, and then a week later, they erased all mentions of the project from its social media accounts and deleted the teaser video that it had released. Um, Collider reached out to the company for clarification, and they said that the project was, quote, not an official live action adaptation of the Batman and Wayne Family Adventures webcomic. It was not announced by DC or Webtoon. Oh. Oops. What? <laughs> The video was intended to be a short form series created by Ismahawk inspired by the webcomic. Wow. 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 It was well, a fan film that garnered a bit too much attention. Well, oh. okay. But there's been some confusion around yeah. it. Yeah. Especially because Ismahawk is not new to the fan film business. Right. And normally they don't have this kind of misunderstanding. And the tea I have been hearing, which may be untrue, is that Ismahawk was given reason to believe that they would be given the license. Oh. And that hmm. maybe not everybody who needed to approve it approved it. Oh. And the announcement was premature. Oops. Wow, that's embarrassing. Holy uh, crap. Yeah. And they are using sure. the fact that Ismahawk makes fan films to just be like, oh, yeah, nothing to see here, folks. Oh. Hmm. Well, a bumpy road. Uh, learning. Yeah. Learning. <laughs> experience. This is what happens when you have two megacorps, <laughs> each with their own licensing department, working together. Sometimes... There are the press release gets caught up. Yeah. Sometimes there's <laughs> you know, a learning on, curve on the wrong floor. <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell DC? I thought you told uh, DC. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> well, it also my guess is that there was a probably some kind of conversation that went, "Oh, this looks great. We'd love to do it." But that was no contracts, you know, right. like you yeah. say right, when you're right. having a conversation. But that and, doesn't mean that your boss agreed yeah, with you on uh, the you subject. You know, no, no, uh, you know, perhaps. Um, yeah, perhaps. or even there yeah. may have been planning conversations had, and just uh, misunderstanding yeah. as misunderstandings. to yeah right. whether things have been. And sometimes, sometimes things that get retracted then come back into being. For example, She-Hulk. Oh, so uh, it was announced. Well, not an official press release, but it had been announced. Oh, uh, Tatiana Maslany is going to be She-Hulk, and then Tatiana Maslany and. Marvel came out and we're like, we didn't say that? And then later she was announced as She-Hulk. So I think sometimes things get no. out while they're still in the negotiation stage. You know, we had a topic that 
uh, I had put on the list that we never made it the final list, which was, uh, it seems a little bit appropriate now, which was the whole Dune adaptation. Ah, yes. Let oh, us talk about you, the Dune adaptation. You, we, we seem to have a little extra time here. So do we want to talk about this? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Because, um, you know, speaking of jumping the gun, it just seems kind of like the times we live in. So, you know, Dune opened and, uh, seems to have really hit the fan faction, right? And in their breadbasket. Uh, right, Kate? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I mean, obviously the directors of Dune and the cast were all gung-ho for it and were like, we really want a second movie. Yeah, but I mean, I've just seen tons but, of memes but, already. Yeah, yeah. But they were right. Yeah. Um, because the movie has absolutely done what a good adaptation of Dune could always have done, which is be a tremendous hit. Yeah. yeah. Because Dune is I'm not going to be cliched by comparing it to Tolkien because in many ways it's very, very different. But the thing it has in common is that for all there have been many adaptations and many imitators, nothing quite equals or rivals or comes anywhere close to the texture and flavor of the original. Dune is a very particular science fiction masterwork, the original book. And, you know, a good adaptation of that was always going to hit the spot, and they pulled it off. Well, I mean, it was, but I mean, I... You know, it was also written in the 60s, and a lot of material that was written then is problematic as hell, and, well, but the, you know, the I mean, is, I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of science fiction classics are just as problematic as can be, and true. so I'm not necessarily going to land with today's audiences. Well, but I think... But I think when you put Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya in it, it's well, got a much and, better chance. Well, not just them, but, you know, also Jason Momoa. Yeah, and, and Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac and, yeah. Even Paul Krugman is writing about... Dune. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, apparently like, economists you, you know, listen, love Dune. Yeah, but it's also like, um, well, I mean, the book is a classic. Right. Yes, but right. it's not sure. just a classic. I mean, a lot of the aspects. That's, that's a pretty big thing. To that, be. yes. That, <laughs> right. But, but, but roll with me here. Part of what makes Dune work better with a modern audience, not the entire modern audience, but a lot of a modern audience in a way that some others don't that contain problematic material is that it's set in a problematic society that the story itself criticizes. Correct. Right? So it is a sexist society and the women aren't cool with it. Right? It is an imperial colonial society and that causes problems. Well, it's almost Paul as if- is a white savior and that doesn't turn out very well for Paul. Right. I, you know, it's almost as if people back in the 60s actually knew about some of these timeless truths that we're still dealing with. So. Right. But, um, I mean, not everybody addressed it. But Dune kind of does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did. And But, um, anyway, I, I, I'm just, I do think the fact that so many fan favorite actors are in it also yeah. absolutely has continued. But uh, And also yes. that there's, you know, competing uh, graphic well, adaptations. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. So Abrams put out... 
a traditional written by Brian Herbert, son, mm-hmm. heir to the throne. Yep. Uh, adaptation Lord. by, um, I forget the name of the artist, but it's quite nice. Yeah. Uh, and then. It's at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Yes, we have an yes, excerpt there's, from there's it. There's an excerpt. And then, um, Legendary. Legendary comics. Well, let, you know, Dune is a legendary release. And so mm-hmm. legendary tri- typically does a graphic novel adaptation of the films that they release. You know, they did Kong and me and all this. And, uh, then they announced it. You know, I got this email in my inbox. It was like, Oh, you know, we're announcing our adaptation, which I paid no mind to because I get because you're all like, of well, them. we already knew about well, that. Well, I'm like, you know, big surprise. I'm just thinking. And then I did notice that there was some controversy because they were kickstarting yeah. this. Yes. And you're a like, your movie studio's movie. comic department yeah. is kickstartering something based on the hit of the winter. Right. Right. And so there was some Whatever. talk back and, uh, but you know, I reached out. I saw it was being done by Rocket Chip and, you know, I'm, uh, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, I'm friends with Tom Akel. I think he's very smart about publishing and he's been doing mostly indie web comics. So, uh, and then I reached out to Robert Napton also, mm-hmm. uh, who's the, 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 the EVP of comics and, you know, they had their reasons. I mean, they said, it's kind of like, you know, Zoop. We talked about Zoop mm-hmm. and Zoop is this new crowdfunding platform, but it really does offer a menu um of things you can order. Yeah, like services. These circles like if you want this print, you order that print. Well, if mm-hmm. you want that, you know, like here's and and Indiegogo also functions kind of like that. And that's that's what they they're you know, they're they reasoning. will sell you more stuff. They will sell you more mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I was just like, Well, why don't you just make pins? You know, like Why don't you just sell them without Well this? but they they pointed out that this is kind of less wasteful because it's like people order just what they want. Mm-hmm. And it's right. kind of like, like it's, but you, you could, you could make it a pre-order system yeah. instead of being like, Oh, Kickstarter us. But it, but it is kind of a pre-order. Well, that's system. kind of, yeah, well, that's I mean, kind of how people use it as yeah. a matter well, of fact. It, it is, it can be a pre-order system, but typically, the way it was intended to work and the way the comic ecosystem has used it is that these pre-orders are needed in order to make sure the book happens. But in this case, people were like, why do you need pre-orders in order to make the book happen? Well, right. And you know, the, the, the goal was very low. It was ten thousand dollars. Yeah, so it they knew they were going to get right. it. So they and also it's going to be printed and distributed conventionally as well. So yeah. this is literally like, hey, if you want your your you know giant slipcase edition with a print by Bill Sienkiewicz and exactly, uh, I mean, crowdfunding is a way to energize your audience too. It it, yep. it is yep. it is, but I think if you're a major corporation like Legendary, you could handle it just a little better to avoid this inevitable controversy because if you if you turn it less into like oh uh crowdfund this comic that's actually going to happen anyway and you instead market it as we're crowdfunding a special edition of this comic yeah which right? is what it is yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah but the Details got lost in translation. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, mean, how big a controversy is it? I mean, well, it's not. It's, a, it's I, not I don't think really it's a controversy, controversy so much as. I mean, as, some people may question uh, but, it, but but I think it's it's, it's an evolution. It's I think popular. it's just an evolution of crowdfunding. Oh yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Although I mean, we've seen this in the past. I mean, uh, it, it, we've seen more and more big companies doing. You yeah. know, you know, I mean, with we, mixed success. With, with absolute success. I mean, we had a we just did a piece with you know the sort of the, the godmother of crowdfunding, uh, Spike Trotman. Uh, really talking in more detail yeah. about how she became 
uh, really a book publisher, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, b- but a book publisher and a model that's based entirely really around crowdfunding. And we're seeing more and more businesses like that, publishing businesses right. like that. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you know, it's not, it really, uh, the Keanu Reeves book. Yeah. Well, that was Does the he one really that need made, a no, Kickstarter not, fund, but it was just a but way he raised to, several hundred well, thousand dollars. Um, you uh, know, and the fans went nuts. You know, um, but on the other hand, Tom Mako, let me just read what he hmm. said, because he said some companies certainly use Kickstarter in a pre-order capacity, though even in that model, the real idea here is to be able to give back to the fans. Uh, yeah. So everything good. from signed book plays to exclusive covers to appearing in the books are offerings you just can't logistically handle in any other yes. way. And a, they're offering a lot yeah, of stuff. A platform like Kickstarter enables us to offer content directly to the fans that there is no other avenue for. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what? That's fine. It's fine. Yeah, but it's absolutely on the fine. Other Direct hand, to consumer. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably, perhaps this is a better idea than another way of getting some money to prop up your adaptation. The Nightmare Before Christmas is coming to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tokyo Pop. Right. Ah, uh, how the mighty oh of the late God. 90s manga boom that. have fallen. They love that book, though. They've done it before. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're not criticizing Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas, but Tokyo Pop, for reasons best known to themselves, money probably, oh, wow. uh, have so. decided to team with Cracker Barrel, Old Country Store, the down-home Old American... Old Yes. No, 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 wrong region. <laughs> I know, wrong region. I know, I know. But... It's a little more Tennessee, a little less Maryland. <laughs> It's, it looks like a, a old film set and it serves you ham and grits. Um, and also has a little store in the front, mostly for people on road trips who are bored. And it is intensely culturally conservative. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Well, they've been accused of racism many, many times. Yes. Right. Well, but even aside from that, I meant even, <laughs> yes. even aside yes. from their that various, minor thing aside. <laughs> even, even in saying, okay, they've reformed their act. They're no longer prejudiced against anyone, whatever <laughs> that aside, even if they have completely cleaned up their act and are all saints. Now their aesthetic is like the polar opposite of nightmare before Christmas. Yeah. Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas, if you are living under a rock, is stop motion animation by Tim Burton. Oh my god. About the skeleton king of Halloween literally this stealing Halloween. Christmas. This is Halloween. Yes. It is a wonderful <laughs> beloved classic, but it is kind of the flagship franchise of Hot Topic. And I'm not exaggerating. No, you're right. Cracker uh, Barrel goes Hot Topic. There you go. Yeah. I guess all things are possible. Um, maybe Hot Topic didn't offer them enough money. I don't know. But in any event, they are bringing the uh, manga adaptation to Cracker Barrel. They are going to have all kinds of seasonal items and promotions <laughs> surrounding this wonderful property. That's amazing. Um, so I guess that's what happens if you can't Kickstarter. Well, I guess, they, right. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> if you can't Kickstarter it, you go to Cracker Barrel. So these are our two <laughs> okay. alternatives. Well, um, I mean, yeah. I, I was going to increasingly bizarre corporate sponsorships, but yeah, same difference. Yeah. All right. Happy holidays. <laughs> All right. And I think on that note. I think that, that highly <laughs> absurdist note. No. Christmas uh, is coming. And also Halloween. Yeah. And there will be. More. To come.